0: did I see if we got following?
1: 2,300 people will be watching this tomorrow, Claire. Yeah,
2: but we are live. To edit out all the
1: swearing, aren't you? Edit right, out done. all the swearing. <laughs> this is a family show I'll have, you know.
0: <laughs> Self-development, isn't it?
1: Self-development for the whole family.
0: Can I can I do the introduction for our guests, please, Az? Please, please do. So welcome to a short convos podcast i'm jc war of light cashman with asmira lie and we have a special guest today we do we have a special guest it's my mother-in-law dun dun, dun. Why, why does that always come with like a dun 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 maybe we can talk about that but yes we we uh we had a uh uh a what was that word a man something or other
1: we were accused of mansplaining
0: yeah, so that's not the reason why we brought on uh, a female, but I thought we'd bring on uh, Claire because uh, she's the uh, genuinely the most uh, caring uh, person I, I've ever known, and uh, she's really interesting as well. So uh, welcome to the show, Claire. Do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Claire, Jace's mill, mother-in-law, and um, nan to six grandchildren, um, and I'm 65 years old.
1: What do you do? First question.
2: (laughs) So, what do I do? I'm head of HR for Talus. In uh, currently based at home, but Talus, my location is Crawley, and I've been working for them for 26 years now.
1: Talus being a school?
2: No, Talus being a very large electronics company with 65,000 people worldwide and 7,000 in the UK.
0: Very cool. As i open the floor to you if, uh, but yeah. what we're, 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 we're going to start with this week, then?
1: Well, yeah, so Claire, we're one of the reasons we wanted to get you on is uh, it's been a very male dominated show so far. All our guests have been uh, men, and me and JC, it's always a bit of a, a man show, so we thought we'd get a more feminine touch. Uh, In to get things. So, we wanted to get you on uh, from that point of view. I think where we should start today, since we've got JC here as well, uh, what do you think of your son in law? (laughs) Just to throw it right in the deep end. Yeah, I think that's a great place to start.
2: (laughs) That's a a very interesting thing. What do I think of JC? Um, He's unusual as a personality, he's unique Um, as well as a man. He is an amazing father and an amazing husband um, and a very, 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 very good son-in-law. He's passionate about, number one, his family, and he's passionate, as everybody knows, about his sport. more than you know, you could not be more passionate about what you do.
1: How did you feel when you first met him? How was his first um, impression?
2: I was really pleased. I first met him when he was training George my youngest son, um, who was very young in those days. And um, George went to karate, and I don't know if it's the right thing to say, but George joined to karate because a flyer came through the door saying karate lessons and Jay delivered this. We didn't see Jay deliver it, but we know he did. He was working with his dad at the time up at Pound Hill Community Centre. And my husband picked up this flyer through the door and said, George is going to that. And I said, why? He says, because I've got to put the yin to the yang. The fact you've signed him up for drama classes with Jessica. Okay. So Mike being Neanderthal man decided that he was going to sign George up for martial arts just in case he liked the drama too much. So then we took George along and we met Jay who was working with his dad at the time, Tony. And, um, the rest is history. Really. Mike decided he would join the family class and, then Lauren joined up as well. And then as I say, the two of them became an item and the rest is history and never look back.
1: Very cool. Jay, you were saying about the, uh, the mother-in-law stigma attached to it, that it's uh, dun 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 for some reason, I guess that's mostly at the start when you're, you're first introduced to them, right? And you're yeah. coming into the family. What was that like kind of first well, meeting Claire?
0: The whole stigma thing. I've uh, I've never had it. I've never had a problem uh, with the uh, other side of the family. Uh, I treat us all as a family, and uh, I think we spoke about it before. Uh, coming into uh, Lauren's family, Claire's family, they they were a very different family to say my family. So my family, I grew up with my mum, dad, my brother, my nan, and granddad. That that was our our world in our nucleus. uh claire's family uh, is a, a bigger more dynamic family and that that's what hit me straight in the face first of all it was like wow everyone lives differently not for good or bad or indifferent it was just yeah uh, that's what hit me initially
1: the difference yeah yeah i can't see claire being much of a bully oh
2: you don't know yeah. that
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it? Is the reason I said you stole my first question uh, was I was going to ask your age and you were, you were very gracious to share it with us without being prompted uh, I think with age comes wisdom so I wanted to ask you what, what would you say if you were to give people listening because I think our general demographic is maybe a bit younger than ourselves 20s to 30s if you were to give someone in their mid-20s a bit of life advice to live a happy fulfilled life given your life experience, what, what would you say?
2: With experience, I would say that you have got to enjoy what you do, whatever it is, whether it's your work or your relationship. Because in my generation, a lot of people went to work to earn money because they thought it was a job for life. And having you know, worked for so many years and the changes that you see now, not only with the attitudes to work, but the jobs that are available, the people that seem fulfilled are the ones that choose their careers and don't just go for a job. Um, and also that it's okay to change careers because I was in marketing for um, until I was 35 and had a complete change into human resources and it was just by accident. And luckily for me, the last part of my career has suited my personality far better than marketing. But I think when I'm talking to my grandchildren about what they do in the future, tell them to keep all their options open don't say I am going to be a or unless you really are dedicated to being a specific profession and that you want that for you've always wanted that and you carry on doing that then that's great there's nothing wrong with that but most people change but being happy if you're not happy in a job you need to get out you don't stay because of the pension you don't stay because of the money don't get trapped in a job because of fear. Be brave, take risks. And the people that are brave and the people that take risks are the people that are successful. And they're people that I work with who've worked for companies for years and also people who've changed their roles. So working in Talus, the people who take risks and maybe do a sideward step to do something else in Talus when an opportunity comes up, they might go sidewards, but that, Broadens their knowledge, bolts on experiences, and then they can go up. But don't set in, second, settle for second best in relationships or in work.
1: Here, here. I like it. I like it. Jay, anything for mum in law?
0: Yeah, actually, uh, I know we've spoken a bit about it in the past, Claire, but I don't think we've actually had a a full-on conversation. I'd like to bring Az into it as well. Uh, Partly off the back of what you just said, you know, uh, years of wisdom and everything. And also you're saying about the fly going through the door and the connection that made with uh, Lauren and I, for instance, and the rest is history. Uh, I wanted to actually talk to you about uh, your your generation or your experience with uh, your mum, you know, uh, bless her, Pat, uh, and the war. Uh, we've never really talked about the war, have we, As?
1: We have not talked about the
0: war. So I, I feel there's like a generation gap uh, between, say, my generation and the war. So, like, my parents uh, were a bit older than yourself, Claire, and uh, they are sort of connected to the people that were connected in, in the war. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, what was your past experience of all of that and uh, growing up, uh, wh- yeah. What, what have you got to say about that Claire?
2: It's an interesting one of course when you become your own nan which I have in the last sort of 10 years, you suddenly hear yourself reacting to the younger generations the same as your grandparents did but of course I grew up with parents and grandparents um, my parents were born in 1925 Um, And having a German-Jewish refugee as a father who came out of Berlin in 1939 and a mum that lived at 13 years of age through the Blitz in the East End of London. um, They weren't privileged. They couldn't understand privilege at all and having stuff. And I mean, a roast chicken when we grew up was posh. If you got a roast chicken on Sunday, that was really, really loads of food. Uh, We were brought up never to waste and things like that, but they never talked about the war. My father never talked about his terrible experiences and his parents dying in concentration camps and things like that being Jewish. And mum never talked about being hard up. She talked about coming out of the war and being so in control of her life that she knew exactly where she was going and exactly what she wanted out of life because it was so different from what she'd had as a teenager. So we grew up to and were told to appreciate things, appreciate everything you have, but we weren't at all privileged and we didn't feel privileged. You know, my generation, my mum knitted our jumpers and then when they got too small, she unpicked them and re-knitted them. Now that's my generation. They didn't have more than one outfit for church on Sunday when they grew up and they shared eggs during the war. You know, one egg was shared between two kids. So it's... Now I look at the generations today and everyone has a mobile phone and everyone has technology and you can go to Primark and buy for 50 quid a whole winter wardrobe, Um, which, you know, I feel it's quite privileged. Most people, there are a lot of people still in poverty in, in the UK, but most people are really privileged and the children don't understand, but why should they? It's not their fault. So I I shouldn't make my uh, grandchildren hungry because that's what my parents went through. I shouldn't re-knit their jumpers and make them look odd at school because it's not right. But you've got to understand that every generation and our children's generation will look back on their childhood in a different way, exactly the same as I do. But it doesn't mean to say we shouldn't talk about it.
0: Um, yeah, I think came, I think one of the reasons I asked was because uh, I did a post this week. Uh, it was actually cool. a share. Someone else had done a post and it was uh, they were listing all the things. If you were born in 1900, yeah. uh, you would have gone through the two wars. You would have gone through uh, the Spanish flu. You would have gone through all of these number of things before you were even of any, any age. And it was just sort of bringing a bit of perspective to how things are now and the way that people are behaving, you know, toilet roll for an example, during this whole pandemic.
2: I I, I totally understand what you're saying and I liked the post that you put for awareness, but um, you cannot tell a 12-year-old child today how it feels to be hungry any more than they can experience being starving. And I always say to the kids, your children and the other children, there are children now in India that feed themselves from rubbish tips. Now, I can tell them till I'm blue in the face, they're never gonna experience that. But you see pictures of Indian children, three years old, holding their two-year-old brothers and sisters on rubbish tips, eating food that's left over. So how can that be possible in this day and age, in this world, you know? So it is a very unfair world. And our children mostly are very privileged, particularly the ones that come to the karate, the fact that they can afford to go to karate. And so we have to just understand that life isn't fair. And anyone who thinks life is fair is wrong. You don't know where you're going to be born. You are born and it's not your fault where you are born. Whether you're royalty, you can't have any control over that. But people do change. So you've got to have an open mind and you've got to be open to change. And as parents and grandparents, we've got to tell our children, open your minds and think about different things. Don't just believe what your parents believe. Have your own thoughts, but give your kids freedom of thought. Don't give them barriers. Don't indoctrinate them with religion or anything like that. If you're a vegetarian, say to your kids, try meat. This is why I have only veg, because I think it's better for me. Go on the internet, research why I am a vegetarian. Don't tell kids what they should do, because that causes conflict.
1: it's interesting you talk about because obviously you've got the experience of being a mother and then being a grandmother so you've seen a lot more of that and i really like what you're saying about because it's still a parent's job isn't it to guide a child and Mm -hmm. to give them direction and to try to teach them you know morality and right from wrong and all the rest of it but like you said it's without it's without kind of placing your own personal dogma on them that they're then entrenched in one way of thinking because then, like you said, they end up closed-minded. Uh, and I know, JC, you made that post in relation to everything that's going on with COVID at the moment and a lot of people, I guess, struggling to get to grips with things like wearing a mask and social distancing uh, and maybe they lack the perspective. Do you think it's something in the education system that needs to change? For kids to kind of have a more open thing, or do you think it's more uh, more at home rather than at the schools?
2: Is that for me? That's
1: for you, Claire. That's for you. That's for you.
0: You're our guest.
1: Everything's That's for you, Claire.
2: <laughs> um well, it depends where you're educated, of course. So sure. the type of school for your children is extremely important. When you are placing your kids in the education system, it has to fit with your lifestyle number one. So you don't send a child um, that to a school that does suit their local community, their beliefs, and things like that. So I totally believe in open-mindedness and telling your children that they have a right to their own thoughts, that you can make a child very odd. So a friend of mine in Crawley sent her little lad um, to a private school and asked me, you know, do you think it's the right thing? Because I want the best for my son. And his father went to a private school. And I said, that's totally up to you. I said, but they will, he will not have friends down the road in the street. He will not be invited to birthday parties locally because you are sending him a long way away to private school. He got a very good education, but he wasn't the brightest kid. And he wasn't the privileged child that would have parents that would suddenly find him a job in a bank, et etc. Et He's doing really well, but he didn't do that straight private school, straight into a job you know, with loads of money, he struggled. And, um, you know, his mum said to me recently, I totally understand what you meant about it. She's still glad he's had the really good education, but there are things that she could have done differently, thinking about sending someone and vice versa. And my, my husband was bright and he went to a um, grammar school and he lived on a council estate and he really struggled going to the grammar school, but living on the council estate had to come back to all the kids that went to the local school and he was lucky but it made him a different sort of person he wasn't bullied he became tough to survive it so just consider the school you're sending your children and the effect it will have on them and it could be good or bad but really think about the education because it's not schools that make your children it's parents job to bring their children up and get them the education and the knowledge because it's your choice where your kids go not theirs
1: Yeah, I think a big part is the curriculum now has to kind of serve anyone and everyone, right? Like they can't make a custom curriculum for every kid. So kids go to school and it's a very regimented way of teaching and a very regimented way of learning. And if you're not necessarily a kid who does well in exams or you're not very good at listening and you learn more visually, then a lot of these kids, they struggle with school very early on because they just don't test well. Uh, and I think that's where parenting has to come in, doesn't it, to fill that gap, to bridge that, because a lot of what you're gonna learn that you need in life, you're not gonna learn from school, you're gonna have to learn from home, because school can only cover so much. And I think there's, what well, if, if you're gonna give the kids the life lessons that they gotta learn at home, what would you say are the big ones? What are the things that parents have to be trying to get across to their kids?
2: I think that's a really difficult question to answer i i I don't think you know you're doing it right till you've done it so i think there's
1: there's no guidebook
2: all the way and i don't think anyone i can't tell anybody else what they should be telling their children i think you learn by your own experiences you know what's important Um, no no children are the same so jay knows this more than any you know you're three they're all different my brother and i there's just two of us totally different We had totally different needs, but the same parents. So you've just got to adapt all the time to what you think is right and do your best. Um, yeah, I'm an atheist, but I know that some of the Catholic, um, teachings and the way the Catholic church looked after my Nan was amazing in the last years of her life because it gave her a sense of community. So if you're not religious and you don't have that sense of community through the church, then you have to create that sense of community. If you've got an only child, then you need to create that sense of siblings through a wider family or a close-knit friendship. You, know? you have to look at what you haven't got in your life or you can't give your kids and try, and try and fill those gaps. But I really think freedom of thought and encouraging independent thinking is extremely important. That doesn't mean to say you go away from the morals, the basic morals. So being an atheist with a Catholic and a Jewish mum and dad, you know there was no way we were going to have a religion because religion let them both down badly and my mum was indoctrinated and told that she had blind faith and she believed in god so she a catholic school and everything so she ran away she said there's, there's no way i'm a catholic i hate it and she rejected it completely um, but that doesn't mean to say the ten commandments are wrong if you actually know what the ten commandments are you know that that is how you should live your life and I don't know enough about the Muslims and and the other religions, but I know that their basic, basic principles are exactly the same. You know, you don't hurt each other. So religion is not for me, but there is no way I would stop my children or grandchildren having beliefs ever.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up religion because we, I think Jay, we spoke about that maybe on one of our first yeah. podcasts where we yeah definitely where we stand when did you kind of because what being atheist is kind of a personal decision is it because i'm the same and i i can quite clearly remember a moment in time where i looked at my parents who were both religious and i said i don't i just don't agree with what you're following it's not for me and then you try to find a word or a group that that feels the way that you do so that you can identify? Because I think that's the thing, when you say you're an atheist, a lot of people say, well, that's the same as being a religion because it's, it's got a title and it's got a belief system to it. Uh, but it's very different in the sense that it doesn't come from a, a book. It doesn't have laws or commandments attached to it. But do you remember when you kind of discovered the word being or the term, the idea of being an atheist? No,
2: because I never had a need for a religion. So I never felt the need for a greater being. I had enough support in my life. Um, And the only time I ever wanted to believe in God was when I was at my dad's funeral. And I wanted him on a fluffy cloud up in the sky. But that was more of a fairy tale than a religion. I just wanted him to be with his brother and someone to look after him. It's the only time I've ever thought of something up there on a cloud. Um, I've never needed it. So I've never enabled myself as an atheist, but I have no need for a religion. I'm not against it, and I know it does a lot of good as well as a lot of bad, for a lot of people. Um, And I'm not for it or against it. I would never tell anyone that they can't have a religion. I just don't need it.
1: Was it ever put on you as a child? Sorry. Was it ever put on you as a child? As in, did your parents ever guide you towards it at all?
2: Both rejected religion due to the terrible things it did to both of them. So we we weren't given. Um, anything, we were given freedom to think. And my mum said, you can have anything you like, but you make your mind what religion you are. I'm not going to do it for you. So I never needed it.
1: Would you say you're spiritual though? Because I know JC, this is where me and him go a little bit separate. Is He's a lot more, he, but you, well, Jay, you can tell me what you believe. Uh, I I know you believe there's something. Yeah,
0: I think I want to believe in something is the the main thing. And uh, I don't believe in there being nothing. I believe there's something and uh, I think that not puts you into the believing in reincarnation and all of that, but puts you into that uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm a spiritualist kind of category.
1: Gotcha. But Claire, you'd say not so much?
2: I, when I'm gone, I'm gone. And as far as I'm concerned, my only belief is that whatever I am now lives on in the next generations. So there's influence from my mum and my dad in me, my children, and even my grandchildren who knew them. Um, There's influence from Jay's parents in the ones that knew. And unfortunately they didn't stay around long enough on this earth to influence them more greatly. Um, But the only belief I have is what I do today affects the memory that my family will have on me and whether they talk about me or not. And if I'm a horror, they're not going to mention me but if I'm quite nice yeah
0: I think we might put memories we might put a picture up somewhere
2: (laughs) 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 well that'd be nice Jay but um, no I, I really am not expecting anything else apart from what I've got now and it does not frighten me none of it does death doesn't frighten me nothing frightens me of that not even spiders (laughs)
0: <laughs> On that subject, actually, I, I was going to uh, bring it up because, uh, I, like, we went through. period of time didn't we Claire where both my side of the family and your side of the family lost a few people and uh, I think it made us all closer as a family as well and uh, you know just because of the challenges that brings Uh, as well I've never asked what's your thoughts on uh, assisted uh, suicide so for instance uh, what was it called Claire I'm sure you don't mind talking about it with Pat it is assisted suicide. so... Yeah, it, that's the correct way of terming it. yeah. yeah it. What's your thought it. on all that then, Az?
1: I've always been all for it, mostly from the point of view of I know that I really want to go on my own terms. So if I got to a stage in life where I was basically a human vegetable and I was no longer able to provide anything you know, no longer to able to look after my grandkids or, or be able to have a conversation. I would like to be able to go at that stage. I don't feel like I'd have much left to do. And to be just kept alive because you should just be kept alive. I've never quite agreed with that stance on things. So personally, I always think the choice should be yours. I think it's your life. And if you want to take it, and if you might need someone to help you take it, then I think that should be a lot more a lot more possible than it is right now because I know at the moment it's there's only a few countries in the world and places in the world where you could even fathom the idea of it.
0: Claire do you mind sharing now or more specifically your your experience with that it's a few years ago now isn't it but I suppose it's still uh, a relevant uh, it's not changed since as such has it? Well things
2: have changed slightly because when my mum wanted help to end her life and talked about it and researched it. Um, It was illegal and I actually asked at work whether I would be sacked if I was arrested and assisted my mum to go to Switzerland to end her life. And I was told quite possibly there would be a test case and they may not look favorably on someone who has done that. Things have changed now and they are not arresting people returning from Switzerland anymore. And they're not turning a blind eye, but bearing in mind when you go to Switzerland, you cannot give the person the drink that ends their life. They have to be able to hold it themselves and drink it themselves. Even though you might put them in a wheelchair to get them there and go with them, you have to end your own life, even in places like Switzerland where it's legal to do so. So you can't wait till the end of your life, like when mum got too ill to go and I would love to have helped her, because you've got to be able to do it yourself. That is the law. So a lot of people now who have things like motor neur- neuron disease and cancers that will be very, very painful. And I know someone who did it last year with her mum, she went with her to Switzerland. They do it before the end date, which is not right. And the reason they're doing that is because they need to do it before they're that ill. So they probably m- miss out on six months or a year. Now, if you could do that in this country and you could do it legally and write down that you wanted to do it and the doctor was there and witnesses, you know there and your family were all not knowing what you were going to do it should be all documented and able to do it at the end not six months a year in advance so the law is stopping people having the right to go at the right time so with mum that's the only regret I have is that I couldn't have helped her end her life when she was ready to go
0: do you want to share why and how she got to that stage? Because, you know, it's a, it's a heavy topic, isn't it? But yeah. it's, a, it's one that, you know, you, I, uh, your outside of family experienced. Yeah,
2: so mum was a very healthy academic um, retiree, was a head of, uh, um, a head teacher in a school and she <laughs> loved politics. She loved walking, she loved history, Um, avid reader. And she was, yeah, she was a great, great, great parent and a great grandparent. And then she was diagnosed with Parkinson's which started to make her weaker. And with the Parkinson's she lost her sight so she couldn't read and watch the television. She lost her hearing so she couldn't have audio books. So every, and then she couldn't walk so, She was really at the end of her life, she spent the last year in a nursing home because she fell and couldn't ever come back, even though we had carers in, she couldn't ever come back with carers during the day because she was needing 24 hour nursing care. And because she was very healthy, her heart and lungs, she lasted a year and died weighing about five stone in a nursing home with no quality of life. She probably slept for six months and the doctors had no idea why, she, how she was still alive, except that her heart and lungs were still going and the body had given up. So... What
1: age was she, Claire?
2: Um, mum was, uh, was she, how was my 30? She was 80, 79 or 80, I think. I can't remember now, that's terrible, isn't it? So <laughs> she, was good, she was a good age, but she suffered she suffered yeah, those it. years really did suffer terribly because everything that she loved was taken away from her in a, it was taken away from her slowly got mobility scooter and lost her sight so she ended up in the bushes she'd go walking and she'd fall over because she was parkinson's so she stumbled um all the things she kept forcing herself to do and she'd been a carer for my dad who had a stroke for five years comes out of the. my dad died and then mum thinks I've got a few years now without those caring responsibilities and gets hit with Parkinson's. So the end of your life, and that's the biggest fear I have, is not dying. My fear is becoming ill and not being able to end my life before I become either a burden or in terrible pain and not able to do the things that I want to do. And so I've already talked to the family about and my friends about my plans, which is what I would like to do.
1: I wonder and why Daisy, there's such a Daisy's taboo not, attached to it.
2: And Daisy's not moving into the house, I've told. You.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why there's still such a taboo attached to death and like we're we're sitting here having a very open discussion about it uh, and it's not a problem for us free but clearly for it to be so entrenched in law that you can't do stuff like this. There must be an overwhelming general taboo with people where we just, don't, we just don't discuss it. And like you said, you end up in a care home, quietly, slowly suffering and dying a horrible death with very little dignity when you think about it. And that's a horrible thing. If you've been independent your whole life, like you said, academic, you, you, you've been successful. And then for your last stretch, you just wither away in a bed. It's just no way to go, is it?
2: it's the same it's it's having a purpose and you know i see it even at my age i used to do all the christmases all the birthdays had the house with the you know that had six people sorry ten people could sit down did all the roast dinners and then suddenly you wake up one day and lauren's doing the the christmas dinner and then you suddenly realize you've moved on to that bit the next bit i'm going to move on to is when i get in the red chair i don't want the red chair that's got to go um and when the kids come to you because you can't go to them and and i think that you have to understand where you are in your life and embrace every stage every chapter of your life is really good um but this yeah quality of life is what it's about and we don't talk about death mum always used to say when you're dead you're dead and mm. you know my uh youngest george said nan can i put you on a shelf and watch your body you know decompose pose which was really funny. but that's how my mum was she she was called a spade a spade and one of the things that we were really cross with her is that she said you should never lie to children and father Christmas doesn't exist um, but she said she was adamant you should never lie to children you tell them the truth you don't say they've gone to Devon when they're actually dead and they're not in heaven because that's giving them false hope you know she was very very blunt and matter of fact but with that came an honesty so we all know that we're going to die and we're not frightened of talking about it.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are missing that because I think a lot of people are really afraid of dying mm. and therefore they just ignore it. Because I, I know a lot of people, you even bring up the conversation and they're like, oh, can we not can we not talk about death as if it's some, you know, real negative thing. But like you said, it, it's the one thing that binds us all together. We're all going to go. Yeah, we're all going to die, so we should probably have a discussion about it every now and then.
0: Yeah. But not every dinner party.
1: Mm, not every night. That would be a bit miserable.
0: <laughs> and on, on that note, Claire, uh, what, what are your favourite films? We did a film special the other week. Have you got any favourite films?
2: Yeah, Dr. Shivago, which is a very, very old film. Um, have you I seen like, it? I love I haven't,
0: no. A I can't say I
2: have. Um and oh, what other films do I like? Love Shrek. Shrek,
1: <laughs> that's
0: on the other side of the spectrum. Boy in
2: the pink, uh, boy in the striped pajamas, very emotional, amazing film.
0: Oh yeah, that was on the other day. Have you seen that? as? I have seen that. Terribly
2: oh, uh, Yeah, I'm not an avid film watcher, but I do, I do like a film, and I like everything from, you know, really intense films. I've been forced to watch Pulp Fiction, and I enjoyed it. Um, but I also like light-hearted films. I love a light-hearted film.
1: How about what music, about- Claire?
2: Oh, I'm rubbish at music. I'm stuck yeah. in... Uh, in <laughs> Mike's South. music, isn't he? I Mike's love, music. I absolutely love, I love black music. I love soul.
1: Oh, that's a good place to get le- left. Like, if you, if you stopped at soul and didn't go any further, I think you did just fine.
2: I, I went into soul when I was, you know, in my early teens and I've never left it. You know, oh. Bruno Mars is one of my favourites. If I hear Bruno Mars, I'm up. I'm there. Absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, if you left it uh, Aretha Franklin and all of those guys, yeah. I don't think that's a, a bad place to leave music. Uh, not an awful lot good happened after that anyway. So you haven't <laughs> but I also love,
2: I love some jazz and I love Billie Holiday. Absolutely love Billie Holiday. One of the best, yeah, I best, best things I ever listened to was Strange Fruit by Billie Holiday, fantastic. Very sad, but fantastic. Do you know what- Claire,
0: oh, no, go for it.
2: Yeah, it's it's very sad, it's about slavery and the um, slaves being hanged and hanging (laughs) from the trees. From the trees. Singing about strange fruit hanging
0: from the trees. Never knew.
2: I educated you there, Jay.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Claire, if you, I'm thinking of a couple of things we've done in our recent uh, podcasts. and things we've asked. If you could have any free people around, you love a dinner party, you love having people around. If you could have any free people, we're talking fictional, uh, complete decades, centuries apart. If you could have any free people to a dinner table with you, who would it be? It's a
2: really difficult one.
0: Whose
1: was yours? That's, I can't remember who mine were. I had David. Oh, I remember yours. Yours made me laugh. So they stuck in my brain a bit there. JC's was Hitler. <laughs> JC had, it was all warmongers yours, wasn't yeah. it? He'd been... <laughs> want
2: an argument, that's why. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I was up <laughs> for. He was up for some fun. I think I had David Attenborough. Um, I can't remember the other two. David's the big one who I want to I wanna take him out for a steak. What about you, Claire?
2: I really don't know, Jay. There's loads of people I admire, but I I really can't even think of three at the moment.
0: Your daughter, your son and your brother-in-law. Your son-in-law. No,
2: because then I'd end up making dinner and washing up. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's a really difficult one. I can't answer that.
0: All right, what about places? We spoke about places recently. Some of the, uh, like, uh, you know, I take the girls down to Cornwall. I've got... uh, uh, a, a thing about going down there Where, where's your places around the world or I'd like at to go home to or... the Black
2: Forest because that's memories of childhood we used to go down to the Black Forest camping as children and go past Frankfurt, visit my grandparents and then carry on so I'd love to go back to the Black Forest always wanted to go to Kathmandu don't want to go up the mountain, just want to go to Kathmandu just why is that? I don't know I just fancy Kathmandu, I think it sounds good
1: <laughs> that good. I'm, I'm like I'm that a... with Kilimanjaro. I want to go there just for the name.
2: I'm not going up. <laughs> I'm just going to get mended. Um, and I'd like to go back to Chile because I loved Chile, but you know, I probably won't ever go back because of the flight. So the only place I can go is Black Forest because the rest are far too far away and I won't fly.
1: You don't like flying?
2: Hate it, and I, I. There's no way I can do more than a four or five hour flight. I've just been too much pain. Unless I go first class, I have to sleep. I can't do it.
1: I'm sure JC can arrange your first class flight somewhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Daisy. We'll have to do that. All the money I give Daisy, she'll be able to give me back for a first class. <laughs>
1: That's it. Once she's a film, famous dancer and film yeah. star, then she'll yeah. sort you out. Uh, well, we need quote of the week. Yeah, we haven't done quite of the week. Claire, can
0: you bring a quote of the week? <laughs>
1: this week, I, I feel like she has one. You must have a favourite quote.
0: I don't. No. Or a saying, or a speech, or a, or a.
2: Once I um. Once I retire, I'll have time to think about quotes.
0: Um. <laughs> what about something Pat would have said?
2: Only idiots are always happy.
0: Oh, there I you like go. That. You you brought it that out. That was a great one. <laughs>
2: I used to say mum I just wish you were happy and she looked at me once and she said only idiots are always happy that sums the up. That's a, and the other thing the other quote I love is from Shrek where the donkeys in the back making that stupid noise and they turn around <laughs> and go shut up donkey are we there yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> donkey I love donkey
1: JC so you got a quote for us
0: Yes, I have. Uh, Okay, drum roll. The wise man once said nothing.
1: Oh, well, now we're getting meta with it.
0: (laughs) Boom! I don't even know who said it. It's yeah, yeah, I I just like that.
1: See, now I can't give a quote because you've kind of given that. I should have, I should have gone first.
0: (laughs) I still think my one fits.
1: I've got get comfortable with enough in a world of infinity.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's good. Yeah, Uh, that ties full circle,
1: doesn't it? Ties full
0: circle.
2: And and something else I've learned, which is not a quote, but don't fill silences, just keep quiet.
0: Wise man once said nothing.
2: Same sort of thing, but people constantly fill silences with just rubbish
0: rather than just being silent. Do you think the the world is a noisier place? I I was watching something called, we were looking at something with someone recently and uh, it wasn't that long ago, maybe it was a photo or a video back to even the 80s, not that long ago, and they said, oh, it was simpler back then, wasn't it? And do you think the world has got noisier, busier, faster and everything?
2: Depends when you talk about simpler. It wasn't simple when you were being bombed and living under the stairs or... Whether you were Yeah,
0: I'm saying post post war post troubles. Post war is it
2: is world simpler? Is it noisier? It depends where you live. If you live in the Outer Hebrides, it's it's not noisier. It depends where you are. Um, we know that there's more traffic about, but COVID has you know stopped that to a degree. Um, I really don't know if the if the world's a noisier place. There's more technology but that doesn't necessarily bring noise because if you've got your headphones on and it's your own piece of equipment you're on, it's not noisier. Are children ever any noisier in the playground than they used to be? No, there's just, there's more people around, so there's gonna be more noise. There are more cars around, so there's gonna be more traffic. Um, We move more freight around, so there are more lorries. you often say, God, the motorways would be great if it wasn't for the lorries. So yeah, the world is a busier place but I'm not conscious of it being noisier because I can retreat to my own peace. I have no problem with being quiet and being on my own.
1: So well, there's a really famous what? quote, sorry, there's a really famous quote that says man's greatest problem is his inability to sit quietly in a room alone with himself. Yeah, uh, And that quote is from Aristotle. So we're talking, you know, 2000, 3000 BC. So before we had any technology, we still had the issue that, we weren't able to just be comfortable with our own presence and our own company. And I think that's a huge issue for a lot of people is they can't just sit alone and be quiet in a room. And like you said, they have to fill the silence, even if it's just with, with garbage. It's just now we've got technology that lets you fill the silence very quickly uh, with entertainment and videos and sounds and all the rest of it.
2: I think that's why yoga is taking off <clears throat> so dramatically mm. with everybody of every age. excuse me because it gives you it allows you to do nothing it allows you to lie down it allows you to listen to your own breath whereas people now instead of saying as my mum used to if I had a headache have a glass of water and run around the block you feel better all that was was exercise and fluid so today you need a reason to drink loads of fluid and a class to do your exercise you need yoga is because it allows you to do nothing on your own quietly, whereas people are looking for a reason to do nothing. So I think that's where they get the peace from. Yoga gives them permission to be peaceful.
1: Find a moment. Kind of mm. have to make a moment now.
0: they Well, thanks for coming on, Claire. It's been great talk to you. I knew you could bring uh, some interesting stuff for us. anything more you want to say to, to us or our listeners
2: no thank you for inviting me i i don't know how i've added any value but
1: yeah oh no you've been amazing we we normally just come on in we're a pair of grumpy old men so you've uh, you've brought some much needed balance to the equation i think i think it's been great yeah. I
0: talked about death talk about assisted in death the whole yeah, thing assisted
1: suicide and death it's been uh all roses here it's lovely
0: i'll probably Very get
2: good. hate mail now
1: <laughs> <laughs> you'll yeah you'll get one comment you they'll say something yeah, about us explaining yeah. to you about something <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: sure. thanks again claire you're welcome take care buzz
1: bye guys and thanks for bye. listening everyone bye.